0: Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer
1: here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. Our usual co host here. Ellie Mistal is unavailable because he's actually recovering from an illness, so we'll have him back next time. But for now, we've got a guest co-host, which is Catherine Rubino, also of Above the Law, who has been on a previous show, right?
2: That is true. I uh, was a trivia master for, I think, maybe was it last summer? I can't quite remember exactly when it was. But I asked you some, some Supreme Court trivia questions.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that episode. I remember that I was just way better at it than Ellie.
2: You are certainly better at it than Ellie. Um, yeah. Yes, that that is accurate. You won that. Yay.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's that's all that really mattered to me, uh, and I'm sure Ellie won't listen to this episode, so he'll never hear. Because
2: he can't about hear his. This. Well, he can't hear his own voice when I'm the only co-host. So yes, that's probably accurate.
1: Yeah. No. It's true. So yeah. Anyway, so we decided we would have a show this week, even though we couldn't have our dear dear co-host, and we thought we'd talk about in lieu of what we usually do, talk about summer, and in particular, the whole phenomenon of summer associates, because we have the beginning of the big law summer associate cycle, where all those fresh young faces from law school try to make themselves as drunk as possible in an effort to win a job at a big firm, and we thought we'd talk about all that. Yeah,
2: and I mean, think about it, the whole notion of summer associateships is absurd. I, I can't think of another profession that does it quite this way. And it's, you know, an intense interview process a year before you actually take the job. And then you have, you know, a summer job, all which is a long interview process for your long term job after graduation. But that summer, man, is that summer pretty fun. It's a a lot of events, a lot of drinking, as you mentioned, and just a lot of craziness.
1: Yeah, it it was weird, because I, I mean, I, I know you had the same experience, but the job gets determined based on your grades for your first year of law school. And then that job, unless you, you know, do something truly, truly awful during (laughs) the summer that you're a summer associate, becomes your job forever, at which point, you know, it really begs the question why we have three years of law school when you have your job totally determined by the time... Before
2: Before you enter your third year of law school
1: based on your first year grades. Correct.
2: Absolutely accurate. And you know, and the other thing that's interesting about it is actually being a summer associate is bears zero resemblance to actually being an associate at the exact same law firm. It's kind of a bait and switch kind of a thing, right? You know, you have a great time over the summer. There's lots of events, everyone is super social and really interested in you as a human being, and then you start day 1 as a first year associate and none of that is true anymore.
1: You know, uh, a friend of mine from law school who is now a big law partner used to tell me a joke about, uh, which I'll just do now on the podcast, because why not? Uh, Guy dies, and he's given a choice at the end, and uh, St. Peter's like, well, you can choose where you end up, and he takes him on a tour of heaven. It's just kind of boring. There's some clouds. People are sitting around. Then he goes down to hell and people are swimming and there's games and parties and everything and he says, Well, yeah, I'll make my choice. I I'm gonna go to hell. And then he gets down there and it's just fire and brimstone and torture. And he says, What what is this? I I came here I, I to make a decision and the devil says, Oh yeah, you saw our summer program.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that seems pretty accurate and in, in my experience. See, <laughs> not that not that my firm was terrible or anything, but it's just it's not even designed to be anything close to the same
1: experience. See, you know, I I maybe mine was a little bit different. The first day, first day of my summer program at about 5:30 in the afternoon, a associate called me and said we were going to have a meeting with a partner and we were given an assignment to write an emergency brief and I left the office at 4:30 a.m. So, for me, my summer experience began exactly like my legal <laughs> career worked out.
2: See, I thought you were ge- the story was going to go the opposite way. I thought you were going to talk about how when you started as a first-year associate, that actually they were really nice and wonderful and it was a great firm and, you know, it was all bells and whistles when you were an actual associate. But no, no. you just meant that your summer associateship was also pretty terrible in some ways.
1: I mean, I don't know. I I have warm feelings toward that place, but uh, it was definitely there was no bait and switch. You were you were <laughs> you told you from were the beginning, yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, somehow that seemed a lot more fun when I was uh, just a year out. So we should talk about the in more organized fashion uh, how this whole summer associate thing goes. And I think the way we should begin is by talking about what is really in some ways the raison d'etre of above the law. Not that we don't do other sorts of reporting, but some of our favorite and warmest memories as reporters at above the law are when summer associates attack. That's true. When, When some summer associate does something truly embarrassing and awful, and we get to revel in the schadenfreude of what they've done. The most famous example probably is a summer associate at a certain firm potentially the exact same firm where I suffered, <laughs> uh who <laughs> drunkenly took off all her clothes and jumped in the Hudson River during an event. Uh, it's not a good be, look
2: for a job interview, I gotta be honest.
1: Had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. Yeah, uh, she ended up, she got an offer. Ultimately. Yeah, no. Um, anyway. <laughs> Which
2: again, proves the point of how ridiculous being a summer associate really is, right? Like, right? She got a job and jumped in the river, and the Coast Guard had to show up, but... You know, you wouldn't think that that would make for a winning job interview.
1: Well, so the end of uh, at the end of the Great Recession, or I guess due to the Great Recession, we started getting fewer and fewer of these crazy stories, right? Because more and more people were on their best behavior, knowing that any slip up could potentially doom their future.
2: Sure, and I and that's you know a very important point to make as well too. You know when. Back in the day during the boom era, you know, you pretty much had to screw up royally in order to not get a job offer from being a summer associate. You know, the girl who jumped in the river got a job offer. But then, you know, during the recession, firms were looking to cut back. They didn't want to hire all 50 of the summer associates they had over the summer. So they were looking for making the process a lot more difficult. So everyone was on their best behavior for quite a few years.
1: Yeah. So that brings us to this year, which is starting off with a bang so far. the We're only about a week into summer associate programs. We already have our our first story, which is a summer associate who apparently hauled off and slapped one of the full-time associates.
2: Well, that's not good if you slap anyone, you know, whether it's an associate, a partner, another summer associate, uh, staff member. You just probably shouldn't be hitting your coworkers. It's a pretty good rule. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, all right, well, there you go, not understanding the difference between a summer and how real law operates. <laughs> but but yeah, no, you shouldn't be smacking people, and there's some dispute as to what caused this incident, but the most recent report we got from somebody with firsthand knowledge is that the summer, for whatever reason, felt that they had the right to jokingly slap somebody, and then they accidentally slapped the wrong person. And so... Yeah. Not great. Well, hey, not you know, it's, it's certainly not the craziest thing a summer has done. We've already talked about jumping into the river, and wow, it's so hard to beat that.
2: <laughs> Th- that's probably the gold standard and should remain the gold standard for crazy um, summer associate antics, I think.
1: I mean, I think there's, uh, there's, a few, there's been a few other good ones. Actually, one of the best of my memory was where the script got flipped, And uh, Edelson, which is a smaller law firm in Chicago, they actually hired an actor to play a summer associate and (laughs) had that actor be the worst possible summer associate just to troll all the rest of the summers and make them think, how is this guy getting away with all of this?
2: Wow. Um, That really could have backfired.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure it could have. But it it was great. Actually, among the things the guy was doing was, they had another actor who apparently was was portraying an out of work lawyer who'd been laid off that this summer was apparently paying money to to do all his work for him so that he didn't have to do any work <laughs> I mean, it, it was a it was really pretty brilliant i uh i give not
2: bad, it's not bad. nothing
1: but respect to those folks <laughs> well what was the craziest thing from your summer program that you can remember
2: well i do remember that well you know we talked earlier about how most people got, you know, full-time offers after they were summer associates. But that was not true in my summer class. Um, Two people that I've been aware of were not made full-time offers. It was because they were caught having sex in their office. Amazing. office mates and were caught doing the nasty. And the firm thought that that did not reflect well on their, you know, judgment as potential lawyers and did not make them full-time offers.
1: Well, Okay. I mean, look, you can't have it both ways. You either want lawyers to spend all their time in the office.
2: <laughs> True yeah. enough.
1: Yeah, I can't really I can't really think of what the craziest out of control thing at ours was. I mean, I I do remember just to kind of make a mockery of how no one could get fired a couple of uh, summers showed up at the last full firm meeting with 40s that they'd bought downstairs and still had in their brown paper sack that they were drinking out of during the full firm meeting.
2: Were you one of those summer associates, Joe? I mean, yes. Uh,
1: (laughs) But, but yeah, no, that's that's about all I could really think of for that. Um,
2: fair enough.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it the whole summer thing's fun. You go to Broadway shows or the beach or tons of dinners, baseball games.
2: What was the best event that you remember from when you were a summer associate Joe?
1: That's a good question. The best I thought I don't, you know, I mean I I actually don't remember any event per se being grand or not. I remember the dinners and lunches. And I think the best dinners were always the Friday night after things you know, when the weekend was about to go a bunch of associates would round a few people up and we'd go out and I there was a steakhouse that used to be down by our office and The times we would spend Fridays there were always my favorite, because that was a a fun group to spend time with.
2: That's nice. I remember when I was a summer associate, we had an event where they took us fishing uh, on a boat in the Long Island Sound. And so we had to get up like super early and like meet at the firm at like 7 or 6.30 in the morning, something ridiculous. And we took this bus up to Long Island, which, you know, on a... Summer day is not, you know, the best drive ever. And then we got on a boat and we went fishing for the day. It was fantastic. I remember like getting on the boat around 8 a.m. and we were like, okay, let's start opening up beer now because the day has started, I suppose. Uh, And I spent the day trying to catch fluke, which I don't enjoy fish. I don't like eating fish. I don't like touching fish. But something about the entire experience, despite my natural distaste for the endeavor, was still an awful lot of fun. And it was Super beautiful and ridiculous, because we were all drunk by nine o'clock in the morning, so that was that was a lot of fun.
1: I'm sure you caught something
2: i didn't I didn't I was like the last wow. everyone had pretty much given up even trying like anyone who wanted to catch something I caught something, and they had like one of those services on the boat where like they would like cut up the fish for you you know and clean it and cut it up so you could like take it home or whatever and I was like the last person like left trying desperately to catch a fish, and I couldn't catch anything but you i'm do? sure
1: I'm sure it was a fluke. <laughs>
2: God damn it, I walked right into that, didn't I?
1: Yes. All right. So, well, we kind of are reminiscing, but what about people who are summer associates now who might be listening to this? Like what what advice should we be giving them on how to get the most out of their summer associate time, how to maximize their job prospects, et cetera?
2: Well, I actually remember a piece of advice that somebody gave me when I was a summer associate. And see, we were at this event at a partner's house up in Westchester, crazy big, you know, compound kind of a thing. And there was a swimming pool and tennis courts and basketball. And there was a, you know, it was a large event where members of the actual firm came as well. It wasn't just a summer event. It was like a full firm event. And people were talking about whether or not they wanted to go swimming and whatnot. And one of the senior associates, a woman, said to a bunch of female summer associates, Always remember whatever you do this summer, if you want to traipse around in your bathing suit or you want to get drunk or whatever, these are the people you're going to be working with. They will always remember you this way. If you're comfortable with them remembering you in your swimsuit, Go ahead and, you know, that's fine. But they will never forget that. They will never forget if you're puking on the steps of, you know, the restaurant. They will never forget that about you. You know, you're going to be an associate for a lot longer, hopefully, (laughs) than you'll be a summer associate. But those first impressions that you make as a summer associate, you'll have to live through when you're still an associate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. Uh, To So agreeing with that and kind of go a slightly different direction, I think— One aspect of the summer associate job that I didn't do enough to take advantage of, and I wish I'd done a little differently, and maybe this doesn't work as well for some other firms who might be more rigid in how they do it. I was at Cleary Gottlieb, which was not nearly as rigid as far as assigning you out of the gate what you do as opposed to giving you some choice. But I really feel as though I should have taken more advantage at the time, of trying out different practice areas. Coming at it as somebody who, I mean, there were no lawyers in my family. I didn't have any background of knowing what the law was before I got there, really, other than understanding what Perry Mason was and stuff like that. So I naturally fell into litigation and, by extension, a little bit of restructuring, to the extent it has litigation aspects. But I I feel like if, if I had it to do over, I would have been more aggressive about trying to pick up assignments with different practice areas to figure out if maybe, I mean, if you have no idea how law, you know, like how the legal profession operates, how the hell are you going to know if you really have a burning desire to be a commercial property guy?
2: I could not agree more. You know, I, I made similar series of mistakes as you did. You know, I never, I never took a corporate assignment. And I just yes. assumed I wouldn't like it. Um, I don't know why I made that assumption. I think about it now and I'm like, that was not a very clever decision on my part. But you're 100% right. You can always take it and try it.
1: Yeah. And Summer Associate is the perfect opportunity for that since the stakes are so very low for you. You get that opportunity to make those connections in those departments. Actually, that's the other thing. Even if you don't choose to do that, especially at a place like Cleary, where there's a lot of overlap in work, because as a litigator there, I would have clients and I'd be doing small matters for clients, but under the umbrella of understanding that this client is important not because this litigation is particularly big, but because this is a favor being done for them because they're a very big, you know, ERISA client. And understanding what goes on with ERISA is important and understanding that most times this instance was a little unique. But if that's the way that this firm and company are going to operate, most of the time when you get that litigation from this company, it's going to be because of something that happened on the ERISA side that's now got to be litigated out. And, you know, you want to know how did this deal get to that point? You want to be able to have friendships and at least business relationships with the people who are in other departments in your firm so you know how to go talk to them and figure out what's going on for the good of the business as a whole. That makes sense. So you got any others or is that our official Summer Associate Advice of the Year?
2: I mean... You know, enjoy yourself, I guess, is the other half of that advice, because it's a very short window in your life where you're allowed to have an awful lot of fun and get paid stupid amounts of money to do it. So enjoy it, but know that it's a finite amount of time where that's going to be true.
1: I also think it's important that you early on figure out who the most fun young associates are, because those are the people who are most likely to get you lunch every day.
2: That is true. That is true. But I, I see, I kind of almost feel a little hesitant at making that um, sort of a recommendation. I think that that kind of feeds into a lot of these kind of clickishness things that often happen in firms oh, where, you know, you You fall into like one group of people and that's the only thing you know and that, you know, and that you kind of conform, you know, a not very open and, you know, kind of welcoming group of people. Whereas if you kind of try to look for different folks to eat lunch with every day as opposed to kind of, you know, honing on who you think the cool kids are, you may actually find better work contacts and better sort of, uh, you know, fundamentally you're going to have business relationships with these people. Um, You may make friends and that's awesome, but primarily these will be your business contacts. And so not everyone that you want to have a beer with on a Friday night is great to work with.
1: Oh, that's definitely true. I always felt also that for a lot of these places, these places where you go to these lunches, it's sufficiently expensive an endeavor that you want to have a lot of people with you. So Mm. I feel like the click thing falls apart like a click of three or four people doesn't really get it done at some point when you're going to you know the chanterelles of the world or whatever sure you're going to want to have eight people with you and you're going to get your three or four and then go all right who else can we call so i think more people get brought into the lunch no matter you know no matter what you do but
2: that's what, fair
1: what was your favorite go-to lunch place as a summer
2: uh you know i was in downtown. So there are fewer options than than uptown. Um, Delmonico's was always super lovely. It's a great steakhouse. And, you know, if you're, especially if you're not originally from New York and, and don't have, you know, a lot of contacts there, it's definitely, I think, something that you should try to experience at least once. That was one, I think, probably one of the nicer ones. Um, they also had some, I think it was 55 Water Street had a really nice restaurant up on the top floor that I had a lot of fun in. How about you?
1: Uh, what was the place? Uh, I'm now completely blanking. It was like in J.P. Morgan's old uh, apartment. Uh, the vault? Was um, that what you're
2: talking about? It was like down the couple of steps and you like no. the bank vault?
1: No, it was like 14...
2: Oh, 14 Water.
1: Or Wall, right? 14, 14 Wall. No, yeah, yeah. Right.
2: 14 Wall. No, I definitely like that place too.
1: Yeah, that place was good. I actually don't know as though all these places are still around. I, I figure they are. Chanterelle was always very classic for the downtown set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobu was very big back in the day.
2: Very popular. Yeah. Very popular. Yeah, I don't think 14 Wall Street Restaurant is... I'm not sure if that's still around anymore. Wow.
1: End of an era. Yeah. So if you're going on these lunches, though, there are some important etiquette tips. Uh, obviously, they're slightly different. If you have a partner with you, then... By all means, let them order first to uh, figure out exactly what you can get away with. And by that, Set I mean, the tone. Yeah. <laughs> by that, I mean alcohol-wise. Are you going to be having an iced tea or a Long Island iced tea? Is a key question.
2: It is, and also that is definitely a key question. But also. Is everyone doing appetizers? Are people – because you don't want to – you don't want to be the only person who's ordered an appetizer because that's awkward. You don't want to be the only person who has not ordered an appetizer because that's also awkward. So let somebody else go – You know, a partner or or an associate go first to kind of set the mood and figure out what people are doing.
1: Yeah, I actually think on that note, this is a good etiquette tip. Some firms, at least now in the post-boom era – in my day, it was – My day, we were getting away with everything. But now that we're in kind of the post-boom era, when I was an associate in that period and I was taking summers out, they instituted some budget caps on how much you could spend per head to go get some food. And once that's true, I I think it's important that you as a summer are aware of what that budgetary cap is. You know, it's not technically your responsibility, but you you should be aware of what it is to be cool to the... I mean, if it's a partner, then who cares, because it's their money. But if it's an associate, be cool, know what that cap is, you know, just order accordingly.
2: I think that's very, very accurate. Um, I was actually on the summer associate committee uh, when I lateral to a firm in Midtown. And that was absolutely a point of contention, particularly, you know, um, I worked at an Firm that's primary place of business was not in New York so we had you know different monetary restrictions on us because you know they were trying to create a standard for New York as opposed to other cities so there was a lot of focus and, and thought that went into it but you never want to be in a position where you know you've doubled up the amount of money that's supposed to go for any one person's meal
1: Yeah no I mean I, I think that's very true I um, think the
2: other thing that I would definitely tell people, is do not take pictures of your food. Um, I know that a lot of people do. Um, I know that you probably like posting them on Facebook and Instagram. But again, even though it's a fancy meal, remember it's a business meeting first and foremost. These are people who you're going to be working with. Uh, These are people who are going to be asking you to do really important work for them, hopefully, if you make a good impression. So you don't want to do anything that makes you seem um, that, you know, kind of takes you out of the moment and makes you seem more frivolous than you really are.
1: Yeah. I mean, to use a football, uh, an oft used football term, act like you've been there before.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is probably the fanciest meal you've had in a while, but you know, act like you've been there before.
2: You know, I think also it is kind of a generational thing as well too. You know, if you're at a meal with partners, it's probably very off-putting to take out your camera and start snapping photos. Uh, You know, if you're with a second-year associate, you know, they may laugh about it and want to do it as well, and that might be, you know, something different you can bond over, you know, your love of foodie blogs or something like that. But, you know, if you're at a partner meal, that's just not appropriate. (laughs) Even if yeah. somebody would do it, um, if they were with their friends, even if they would be happy to take pictures of their own food, at a partner meal, if they see you do it, they'll probably feel like, you know, you don't know what is appropriate.
1: Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, you said you were on the Summer Associate Committee. I was, yes. So that brings us to kind of a transition to what the summer program is like. For the people who are not uh, who are not summers currently listening to us, which I think more people will not be summers listening they'll be the people on the other side of the equation the attorneys and the associates and partners so if you're a regular attorney what tips do you have as far as surviving the summer for them
2: the summer in general not just the summer program because i was when i was an associate and the summer associates came it was always sort of a mix of feelings it was ah the summers are coming which meant you know the hallways were crowded and loud and sort of annoying when you had to be really busy and you were trying to sort of focus because people were like laughing in the hallways. Um, and I always found that particularly annoying when you had to, you know, pull an all nighter, but you know, there's also when you are a little bit, um, you have a little bit of a slowdown, you can go out to lunch with summers. It's a great excuse to, you know, have some, a little bit of fun yourself when you have a moment, you know, that you can do that.
1: Yeah, I never took summer vacations for that reason. I always scheduled to do things at other times because I was like, why would I leave during the summer when this place is actually kind of fun?
2: I very much agree with you about that as well. Um, The other thing about not taking summer vacations or not scheduling your personal travel during summer to the extent that you can avoid it is a lot of other people do, particularly other people who maybe have children, who have school schedules and whatnot. So you can get a lot of brownie points by covering for people (laughs) during those months. You know, I used to cover for people in July and August all the time. And then, you know, I'd have a list of like four or five people that would be happy to cover for me, you know, mid-October when I needed to take a long weekend or something like that.
1: Yeah, no, that's very true. The that's an important thing to take advantage of, especially if you're in the world before you've had kids. You should be as willing as possible to work what people consider the peak vacation times and cover for them then, up to it, including working over the holidays, because they'll all disappear and then someday you might have to kids that require you to take all sorts of awkward times off and people will theoretically, you know, reciprocate the kindnesses of the past.
2: Well, I mean not even something that's necessarily a few years in the future, even selfishly when you're looking, if you're if you're planning a trip and you know you've worked really hard and you're going to make your hours and so you want to take, you know, a 10-day trip to Acapulco, I don't know, anywhere, but you know you want to take a nice, fun trip. If you can try to schedule it outside of times when other people, like, you know, are on school vacations and whatnot, you have a lot more people available to cover so that you're less likely to have your own trip canceled. Think about it. You know, if three members of your 10-person team are on vacation the second week of July— You know, the chances of something big hits and they need all hands on deck that the most junior person who's asked to take that week off is going to be asked to cancel their trip is a lot higher than if you're the only person on a 10-person team who's taking the week of, you know, I don't know, March 18th off or something like that. You know, if you're the only one taking it that week, you're probably not going to be asked to cancel your vacation. But if you're one of several people who have overlapping vacations, it doesn't look good to always be able to take that full vacation.
1: I, I definitely agree. I think there was a website, like lastminute.com and stuff like that are so critical to the big law lifestyle because you can you can find out that somebody canceled something on a Thursday and you need to be in a position to say, all right, I'm leaving on Friday and won't be back till Tuesday.
2: Yeah. Good luck, folks. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully nothing will break while I'm gone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, all right. Uh, seems like we're running close to out of time. Any parting words?
2: You know, this summer, so far, has been a little bit chillier than usual, but still pretty beautiful, so enjoy it.
1: Yeah, enjoy it before you have to wear a suit in the dead of the summer.
2: You know, I always marvel at men who are in a long sleeve shirt, buttoned-up tie suit jacket, and, you know, have a briefcase in one hand and their jacket in the other, just melting in the subways. Yeah. You know, I, I... there's lots of downsides, particularly when it comes to fashion and dressing in a big law firm to being a woman, but I never, ever envied men in those particular situations.
1: Well, especially here in New York, because you've got the the subway in particular. It's just such brutal, brutal humidity. If you're in another market where you're possibly driving to work, it's not all that bad because you tend to be
2: air conditioning
1: and- air conditioning the whole way, but... Oh, if you're doing the public transit thing, which is almost a necessity here. Let me ask you, Joe,
2: have you ever taken a cab in a situation where you would normally take a subway solely because you knew you had to wear a suit that day? No. Really? Never? No. Really? I find that hard to believe. I've Um, definitely taken day in cabs where, like before an interview or a big meeting or something like that, where, you know, maybe I was my bag was already packed and I was wearing heels and I didn't want to have to like traipse from the subway to the building without, you know, breaking out in a sweat or, you know, twisting an ankle or something like that. I would definitely take cabs, especially when well, I was working at a big law firm like that.
1: I so very rarely wear heels anymore, so <laughs> I guess that's the Fair problem. Point.
2: But but you still, there's a big difference between showing up to a client meeting after being in the subway for a half hour than being in a cab with the air conditioning running for even if it's 35 minutes, slightly longer.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. I just, I, I'm always so terrified of, I, I prefer the regularity of the trains over the risk of getting stuck in a cab in a traffic jam, so. That's
2: on. true, that's true.
1: Well, that's our uh, our set of summer advice to all of you out there dealing with it either on the summer associate side or the full-timer side. Uh, enjoy your summer, I think, is the, the big takeaway. So, yeah, thanks for, you know, Stepping up and doing the show for us. Yeah, no, covering. There you go. Exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. Thanks for covering for Ellie for the summer there. And not a Uh, problem. And uh, yeah, if all of you listening, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you should absolutely do so. So you get every episode as they come out. Also, be sure to leave reviews on your various places where you listen, like iTunes or whatever. It helps move us up the algorithm of legal podcasts. The more you say, this is a good legal podcast, go ahead, take some time, give it some stars, write something. If you want to follow us and our day-to-day work, we're at com, which you probably already know. But if not, you can check out stories like the summer slapping incident there. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Patrice and you're at Catherine1 Catherine 1, one. Catherine1 one, clearly an early adopter on Twitter. So yeah, no, and with all of that said, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. If you'd like more information about what you've
0: heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. And do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.